You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to another episode of RB1 Corn, a fantasy football podcast brought to you by Thayteams.com. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined not only by Just Clark Barnes and Mr. Class Jordan Smith, but also the man, the myth, the legend, Ginger Nick. Uh, guys, how are we doing tonight? Fantastic. Good. Fantastic. Um, so we had bragged about this on the Twitter sphere that we were going to have a giant show today with a giant group of guests. Uh, Sadly, two of our guests. Keith, and we do. And we, we do. We do. It's, it's just, Nick has, has seven different personalities that he's going to pull out throughout the entire night. Um, like so, that we feel, so we feel that we're all ready to go, that we have so many extra people on the show. Yeah, of course, Nick, uh, the male equivalent of Sybil. Mm. You know, so. <laughs> Naturally. Well, Nick is is the rare, and we're just all talking about Nick in the uh, third person as he sits with us. And, um, yeah, and I'm here. Yeah, before yeah, he's- he is <laughs> present, despite the fact that we're all talking about him being present. Um, you are the rare breed of, and then we'll get into the actual show, rare breed of a Seahawks and a Patriots fan. Yeah. So I feel like that split personality is enough for us to have two different, <laughs> two different uh, people on the show. Wait one minute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it upsets a lot of people. As well, is it just because so you're from Seattle, and is that I assume that's the 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 based baseline of the Seahawks fandom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from Seattle, grew up all around here. Um, but when I first started watching football, it was during like Tom Brady's ascent, and kind of was like, all right, well, I don't want to like, like these guys, but they're doing it better than everybody else. So but damn that guy, good. He's really good. You see, whatever happened to being from a crummy city and liking those teams, even though they break your heart over and over and over? <laughs> Clark, you talking from experience here? I, I was raised in Houston, and I, I speak from a little bit of experience. Yes, just just a, just a tiny bit. So, anyway, shipped my team to Tennessee. Okay, I'm fine. I'm over it. <laughs> just drink through the pain. Um, get excited, dear listeners, because it is the great fantasy football preview show of greatness. <laughs> draft just around the corner it's time for last second advice that you can take in order to come out of your draft victorious so that's what we are all here for we're going to give sleepers and busts and draft advice everything you could need uh to win your draft day when it comes around the corner um but before we get into the meat of the show let's do uh, just a touch of news The biggest news of the past week, obviously, was Adrian Peterson has joined the team in Washington to maybe help uh, fill the void left by rookie Darius Geist tearing his ACL, who went under the knife, poor smout, and uh, best wishes and luck to you, Darius, on uh, a full recovery. Um, I ask you, fellow fantasy heads, though, does this give AP any kind of fantasy value? Zero. I'm sorry. Sorry to be so blunt about it, but I would. Um, I think Clark is a pretty big fan of Samaj P. Ryan taking over, and um, I would have to agree. Some sort of combination of P. Ryan and Chris Thompson um, taking those running back reps. I know they said Rob Kelly might start this next preseason game, but I'd, I'm not a big fan of Rob Kelly, and I think Adrian Peterson's just there to – Provide some depth, kick the tire, see if it turns into something of actual value. But I think we saw um, when Adrian joined the Arizona Cardinals that he had one super good game in him, and then it was all downhill from there. The only question I have is, does that make Chris Thompson this year's Alvin Kamara? Should we all pick him up in week four when we realize Adrian Peterson's not very good? I think that's exactly how it's going to play out. It's so insane that. 
It's so interesting how many people on Twitter that I've interacted with have been like all aboard the AP train. When in reality, the only time Adrian Peterson was successful last year was when he literally carried the ball 20 plus times. Like if the if and there was two games, there was two games with the Cardinals where the Cardinals were just like, here, AP, we're going to give you the ball 25 times. We're going to let you just run downhill. And that's going to be our game plan. And Adrian Peterson was great at it. But the whole reason why he failed in New Orleans was because he had a, a diminished role. AP is not a back that can just be given five K you know, five to 10 touches a game and you expect production out of him. He kind of has to like start wearing down the defense, gets his legs rolling. So I think it's kind of preposterous that people are trying to, uh, trying to pitch the fact that AP now has some relative fantasy value. I don't buy it. Uh, Samaje P Ryan sprained his ankle and he's expected to miss at least some time, not a ton, but I kind of like Rob Kelly at his 11th round ADP at this point. Good. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were just about to be like. So I'm actually aboard the Adrian Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> out of here, you out. Get him off the show. No, I like Rob Kelly. I mean, the fact that everything coming out of the out of camp has been Rob Kelly centric, and we've seen some stuff from Rob Kelly in the past. I don't mind any of those backs: Samaje Ryan, Rob Kelly, or Chris Thompson. I'm a big Chris Thompson fan. Just the just the, the thought that you're going to get AP and plug him into that offense and that somehow he's going to revert into whatever, 2008 Adrian Peterson or anything. Like we saw, literally saw this last year and he was a bust. He was a complete failure. So why would you think that this is miraculously going to change in Washington? It's not. Come on, people, get your head out of Sam. Yeah, this is a, um, if you had to take one scenario, because in reality, I'm probably not touching this backfield without guys. No, no. Maybe Chris Thompson at week four when the curse of Adrian Peterson is left and suddenly Chris Thompson is blessed and endowed with the Alvin Kamara talents um, in a, in an offense. But other than that, no. Nah. But Nick, I like what you point out the 11th round. What, what are you getting in the 11th round? If you get a starter for Washington in the 11th round, you're trying to hold on until, you know, uh, Mark Ingram comes back from suspension. Like, okay, sure. Like who knows Who's how the backfield's going to turn out. Yeah, totally. Uh, also, and finally, because there's only two news bullet points today in the news, the Saints cut veteran running back Terrence West. And Nick, oh, this is most crushing to you since the very the first thing you wrote on Fake yeah. Teams was, in fact, an article about why you should draft Terrence West. Oh, what went wrong, Nick? Uh, yeah, uh, Jonathan Williams apparently has stepped it up. Uh, they like what they've got with you know him and, and who is it, Boston Scott. Uh, I I thought that the veteran was going to be the one to to win out, but he was not. So. Got the axe. Yeah, taking the L on that one. <laughs> yeah, Terrence West is just always one of those guys that you really want to do well, and you think he's going to end up doing well, whether he was in Baltimore or was he in Cleveland before that? And you just kind of always had him on, I, at least I did, I had him just buried on my bench hoping at some point it finally happened for him, but he joins yeah. the rakes of Ryan Tannehill for you, Jordan, who just randomly appears always on your bench. Yeah, pretty much. I apparently I can't quit Terrence West. <laughs> quit Terrence West, guys. I just searched Jonathan Williams, and Google says that he's a basketball player. So <laughs> there's only one person named Jonathan Williams, and and clearly Google has it right. That does not bode well for Terrence West. <laughs> <laughs> he got cut for a basketball player. Oh, hey, the owner of the Saints it's, also yeah. owns the New Orleans Pelicans. So, you know, it could be he maybe he was just trying to make a joint move there between sports. He was like, all right, I need to cut someone from the Saints so I can bring on a basketball player for the Pelicans. Gotta I've sent the wrong report to the wrong thread before. Like, I'm sure other businesses, I'm sure that happens. For them too. <laughs> I'm sure it happens all the time when you're an owner of, of two different sports franchise. I'm sure mistakes are made. Uh, so there you go. There's the news. Uh, so let's get right into the great fantasy football preview show of greatness. Um, or GFFPSG for short, as I'm sure we'll all refer to it, because uh, it just rolls right off the tongue. So in order to help you with your upcoming drafts, we each have uh, a sleeper slash value pick and a plap, 
which is a term I made up because I don't I don't like the term bust. I feel like bust is a little too harsh. Um, so it stands for projected less than ADP. And I got rid of the T in van because plat didn't sound as good as plap. I feel like plap is a very accurate description of a player who just kind of under underperforms plap. I really like that, Pete. There's enough negativity in the world, and we don't need to add to that. Yeah, so so we're doing sleeper and value picks and plaps, um, and then some draft day advice uh, to get you 100% ready for the big day. Um, how do we feel? Should we start positive or should we start negative? Do people want to start with sleepers or do we want to start with plaps? I like to end positive. You like to end positive. You always like to end positive, Clark. You're such a positive person. All right, <clears throat> so let's start with plaps then. Uh, Jordan, start us with your plap. Yeah, my plap. I think I, I've talked about him before, and I'm just I'm gonna make this freaking term stick in the fantasy world. I'm gonna keep on um, going along with this train of thought, and it's Lashawn McCoy. Um, he has usually been a, a top running back for fantasy purposes, but I think at some point the age, um, that speed is going to deteriorate a little bit. Um, we talked about the Buffalo Bills offensive line and. Um, how they are, I guess, selling parts because they traded Cordy Glenn to the Bengals. Um, even though he was a tackle, it can't be um, undervalued how important a really good tackle is to the run game, just as Todd Gurley last year. And depending on who starts at quarterback for the Bills, whether that's Josh Allen, who I'm warming up a little bit on, but remember Ooh. i i have always been extremely cold on josh allen so even still that is not this is like partially melted ice. Like, <laughs> i said you just put back in the freezer it'd freeze again but you're like well okay th- this ice has been outside for about maybe two minutes yes it is ice that you put on your counter where there might be a little bit of a ring of water mm. on it but it is still very much ice <laughs> yeah. um so like i was saying between him and Nathan Peterman, whoever's starting at quarterback there, um, it just doesn't look very good in terms of a being able for, for LaShawn McCoy to just be able to gallop and have some open spaces that he did with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, could be looking at seven to eight in the box just consistently. As you've alluded, as you alluded to, Jordan, we talked about him before on the show. I think the biggest th- thing is that you're changing signal callers, and I think that the um, Running ability of Tyron Taylor helped open up that offense and helped keep defenses honest. And just the fact that he could throw a seemingly catchable ball, um, which maybe Josh Allen can actually do. And maybe our opinions of him should and have slightly changed. But uh, yeah, I could easily see defenses really keying in on LaShawn McCoy. And plus, there's still kind of this floating possible suspension that, you know, who knows what's going to go down with uh, the charges from his ex-girlfriend, but you never know. So there's also that floating in the, uh, in the air. Yeah, very much. So um, I lost track here. He's going like at the top of the third round right now. So that's not terrible. That's putting him around the RB two um, scenario, but I don't know. There's a few guys behind him that I might want to try um, to get some better production out of than, um, you know, somebody that might finally be hitting a wall. Yeah. I think the only saving grace, if you like McCoy is that he is going in the third. And I look at a lot of the people behind him and except for one player who I love that we won't waste any more RB one podcast time talking about. (laughs) I'll take LaShawn McCoy there, but everything you said is a hundred percent. He could be nothing. I'm yeah. I'm off the I'm off the LaShawn McCoy train. Uh, I don't really want anything to do with him. I think he's probably going to get suspended, and even if he doesn't, uh, there's pl- plenty of other good options in the third. Boom, agreed. Uh, let's go to you then, Nick. Nick, give us your plap for this Ooh. season. Yeah, my plap. Okay, so uh, it took me a minute to whittle down who I was going to talk about, but I realized two guys had a, a common theme, and that was the Jones fracture. So uh, my plap is Greg Olson. Um, he's coming off the board uh, in the sixth, at the beginning of the sixth round, like ahead of guys like Marquis Goodwin, Will Fuller, Golden Tate, Corey Davis. I, there's no way I can take him ahead of those guys. Um, but the, the big reason is the Jones fracture. And it's, it's a, a foot injury that usually takes two surgeries to get over. He's only had one, long story short. But other guys who have had to deal with it are uh, Sammy Watkins, who... A uh, little foreshadowing there. We'll talk about him again later. 
Uh, but Sammy Watkins, Julio Jones, it's a common Tucker's foot face injury. Immediately lights up. <laughs> yes, my yeah. boy. I love him. Um, so yeah. Anyway, it's just he's 33 years old, and he's got an injury that almost always takes a second surgery, and he only had one, and it was last year, and it bothered him throughout the rest of the season. So I'm really low on Greg Olson, and with how deep tight end this uh, tight end is this year, I just can't see taking him in the sixth. Clark, defend your boy. Uh. It's getting harder and harder to do it. Evan Ingram starting to look a little, a little bit better. You know, yeah. Kyle Rudolph is starting to look a little bit better. Like, I don't know. I might be changing my mind on Greg Olson. I'm afraid of foot injuries. I'm afraid of injuries in general just for tight ends because um, they're players that are just going to have to play physical unless you're a Jimmy Graham or an Evan Ingram and you're not lining up in a three-point stance ever but um, the Cardinals are gonna have our Cardinals the Panthers are gonna have Matt Khalil their left tackle missing sometimes he's not good as it were anyway but since he's injured too there might be some pass protection um, issues that the Panthers have and that could cause Greg Olson to be pulling some extra duty there. So that could take away from his targets and that puts him at a greater risk from, you know, just hurting that foot again, or just absorbing another injury from being a essential sixth lineman. I also just think that the offense could be moving in a direction that's away from the kind of tight end focused that it's been in the past. I think with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, like there's a lot of speed now on this, on the field that I could see them kind of doing a more spread attack and kind of really stretching defenses thin and letting their fast, small guys get the ball quick and and make people miss. And Greg Olson doesn't necessarily fall into that category. You know, who's fast for the Panthers. Who's fast for the Panthers. DJ Moore. He just got clocked at 113 miles per hour. (laughs) That's absurd. No, it's no, he didn't. I mean, he just got charged with reckless driving. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's that point of the summer, guys. <laughs> to be fair, if you buy a fast car, you have to see how fast it can go. I so mean, I think we've all done 113 before, at least on the toll road. It's safe. What are we judging? I did it through uh, driving through Kansas in my mom's minivan. So get at me, the popo. <laughs> That's exciting. not a good idea. It was Don't exciting. Do that. It was exciting. Do that. I I just I just t- I just kissed it and then I immediately came back down to a reasonable uh, speed. I was like, oh, let's just see if we can hit 100 in this. Um, I thought you were talking about like actual human speed, and I was like, that is physically impossible. Everything Pete, in his body would just disintegrate. Uh, Pete, that's why that was such a good joke. No, it was perfect. Jordan, you did a great job. So there you go. So Greg Olson is a plap this year. Uh, yeah. so I'm gonna go. My plap this year, I wrote a lengthy article about him uh, right after the season ended last year. And so I'm going to call upon it to uh, to reference everything. My plap this year is Julio Jones. It might sound ridiculous to say this because Julio is one of, if not the best receiver in the game right now, puts up stats. Everyone loves him. However, those stats are all inflated because for the past two years, he's had one huge game each year. So last year he had a huge game where he posted 253 yards and two touchdowns against the Buccaneers in week 12, which was good for 38 fantasy points in ESPN standard. Now, if you take away those 38 points, Julio Jones falls from a wide receiver six last year to wide receiver 23. And if you replace those 38 points with the 7.8 points that he was actually averaging outside of that game, he's a wide receiver 19 which is not a wide receiver one kind of production outside of that week. uh, Julio Jones has scored double digit points only four times last year. He scored 10 in week two, 15 in week seven, 11 in week nine and 14 in week 16 in the MVP season that Matt Ryan put together where everyone was like, wow, this Falcons offense is so explosive and absolutely insane and unstoppable. Julio finished wide receiver six and standard. But again, a lot of that came from that monstrous 300-yard touchdown game that he posted against the Panthers. If you take away that and replace it with the 8.8 points that he was averaging, he dropped to wide receiver 13 last year uh, in whatever 2016. When I pick a wide receiver one, I would like to have someone who I can plug and play and never have to worry about. Now, in terms of total points, yes, you're getting wide receiver one production from Julio, but you are relying for the last two seasons on one 
massive game from him in order to boost that grand total and put him into the top 10 or even top five in terms of fantasy receivers. Outside of that game, he is not even a top 15 fantasy receiver. So I am passing on Julio this year. As much as I disagree with you, last point, he plays with Matt Ryan, the glazed donut equivalent of quarterbacks. Exactly. Uh, some of the, uh, the the target information on Julio last year was pretty interesting. Before the bye, they were basically only lining him up on the right side of the field. And they, well, not only, it was like half of his routes were on, on the right side of the field. And they really weren't targeting him deep early. After the bye, they switched that up. And they were, I think it was like 45% of his targets came on uh, either first or second down over the middle. And that's kind of when his season turned around. So they figured out a way to effectively use him. Whether or not they're going to learn from that and and uh, embrace it again this year is, is a different story. But I do think that there's op- reason for optimism uh, that Julio won't be a, uh, a plap. That's fair. <clears throat> it's the question of is, are we going to, do you trust Steve Cars? whatever. Um, Sarkeesian. Sar- yeah, Sarkeesian enough to put together a game plan that's effective for Julio. Yes, maybe he was better utilized in the second half of last year, but you've now added more offensive weapons for them to pass around. Calvin Ridley, I'm not saying has fantasy value, but is going to draw some attention and and particularly down the field stuff. I still have yet to see why Sarkeesian, right? Sark. Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian. It's not your fault. It's a weird name. Such he's, a weird he's, name. It's his fault. He's, uh, he's known as Sark in Washington. There we he's, go. So I'll just call him Sark. Yeah, there you go. Explain to me why Sark doesn't just freaking target Julio every single time to get into the red zone. <laughs> <laughs> the touchdown production is what also terrifies me because I can handle you know any kind of dip in, in, in targets and receptions and yardage as long as it's backed up by then uh, ample touchdowns. But Julio has not been putting in that touchdown production. It's just with with if you're picking between him and uh, AJ Green and uh, uh, who else do you got going in that second now Devonte Adams. I trust Devonte Adams more than I trust Julio Jones next year. This is literally the reason why I created the term plap because I don't think Julio Jones is going to be a bust. Yeah, that's fair. He's a fantastic wide receiver, and he pro- very likely could be a top five fantasy uh, wide receiver. I just don't think he's going to live up to his ADP. He still might be worth a first round or second round pick, and he still might be a top 10 receiver, but I don't think he's worth what, what you're going to currently have to pay for him. So he's a block. If yards are really valuable, receiving yards really valuable in your fantasy league, then Julio's guaranteed to get you like 1,400 yards. Uh, it's just the touchdown aspect, and Steve Sarkeesian is just not good at his job. So that's why I can see him not targeting Julio in right. the red zone every time. Clark, finish up with the plaps. Oh, okay. And oh, it's hard to choose. I have several that I think are going to be on brand and irritating. Is Derek Henry one of them? <laughs> if I only get to do one, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the other ones are. Uh, I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. He's going in the first round. Uh, and thanks for rattling off all those stats with your preparation before I go, Pete. Yeah. Uh, that's because I wrote this article like three months, four months ago, and I was like, I'm going to just uh, re- read what I wrote. Hey, reduce, reuse, recycle. I like that you're sticking to the... Exactly, why wouldn't I? Yeah, so, I mean, this one's pretty simple. Fournette's good at football, but the Jaguars have been horrible for years. They still have Blake Bortles as their quarterback. And last year, they played really, really well against the easiest schedule in the NFL. Like, we always forget that teams look really, really good, and then they just go back into the doghouse next year. And the Jaguars are primed to do that. And when you have a workhorse between the tackles running back playing for a really crappy team, that's how you end up taking Isaiah Crowell in the third round and being really disappointed. So I think Fournette's good at football. I think the rest of the Jaguars' offense is not. So you're don't take Leonard Fournette in the first round. Has Clark said something nice about the Jaguars? That's what I was just nope. about. To say. I was like, for those, cha- <laughs> not yet. Home. That was not Clark using his one time to say something nice about the Jaguars. Clark, let me ask you something. If uh, if the Jags were to have an easy schedule this year, would you be higher on Fournette? No. <laughs> Nick, Nick, we, there's great. some backstory that needs to be involved here. <laughs> there's uh, a reason yeah. why we're keeping track of when Clark says 
anything nice about the Jaguars. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's very on brand for Clark to uh, to have his plat be a Jaguar. Okay. It's I mean, okay, so so to be fair, it's just Blake Bortles is probably the worst starting quarterback in football. And I, I don't disagree I just don't with believe that. that you can get lucky for two years in a row. Like I, I just don't believe it. What if the uh, what if the Jaguars trade for Teddy Bridgewater? I really like Teddy Bridgewater. But I also really like him in Jacksonville. Get Blake out of there. Give yourself a quarterback who can actually do things. And now suddenly you're a legit Super Bowl contender. Teddy's looked good this preseason. That would be the nice thing that I say about the Jaguars this year. Nice. That would be it. For what it's worth, I love Fournette this year. He's my RB6. Their schedule is easier than than it was last year. I think they're going to just ride him for 17 weeks and he's going to smash his ADP. So this is like the Browns winning one game two years ago and then winning zero the next year. Like, can you get easier than the easiest? The Browns have proved that you can. (laughs) I don't know. We should get a bet going on this with something, Clark. Beer bet. I'm down. I mean, I'll go outside of the top 10. Does that seem fair? Yeah, definitely. Beer bet. Beer bet locked in between. I'm shaking. Clark. Uh, in regards to Leonard's <laughs> final uh, final resting spot at the end of this year in terms of fantasy value. So Clark thinks he's going to be outside of the top 10. There you go. Uh, let's move on to sleepers slash value. Uh, Jordan? Yeah, so this is the year of me trying to find more valuable tight end options. And I am staying on brand with this pick right now. I'm going with David Njoku, um, who could yes. be a really good sleeper pick. Um, right now he's going in like the late ninth round, almost 10th round, depending on how, um, deep your drafts are, which I think could be a great value. So it's in the second half of total numbers of tight ends. And I found these stats for, um, second year tight ends. We all know Njoku is super athletic, but, um, since 2000, the year 2000s draft our tight ends drafted in the first round, uh, 14 of 18, Tight ends um, received more targets in their second season. Uh, 14 of 18 increased their PPR points in year two. Um, and 14 of 18 scored more touchdowns the second year. Um, and overall, they've averaged an additional 2.4 touchdowns per year, which can be uh, super useful, um, help make or break your season. I think it also helps that Njoku has like an actual NFL quarterback that will be throwing to him. Um, sorry to, to Sean Kaiser, who is now the backup of my team, but um, I think that's prime breakout candidate, uh, especially at a ninth round value in case it slips your mind to pick up a tight end right away. And Joku has also looked V good this preseason. And not just in like, oh, he's wide open and makes the clean catch. He's had some like contested catches that he made that one uh, in the first week against when the Browns played the Giants and Baker Mayfield kind of made time in the pocket and ripped a high pass to Njoku in the back of the end zone and Njoku caught it over two different defenders. I am a big Njoku fan. Also, your stat backs up our Evan Ingram and OJ Howard love this year. I have to spin this so that it's on my brand too. (laughs) He's a great pick. If you miss, if you look up and everybody's gone, why not? Tyrod's Tyrod's pretty good at playing quarterback. Tyrod's a good quarterback, I mean, people. Stop trying to pretend like he's not. Yeah, I was a little bit nervous on Njoku until you guys started talking about him, but I think you're kind of swinging me. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. and where he's going. Like, it, yeah. you're not spending a premium pick on him. Right. You're not picking him above guys who are, like, super solid and safe. Why not? Right. Cool. Who, says, who says no? Who literally says no uh nick give us your sleeper slash value pick for this year yeah uh it's it's sammy watkins uh the guy who has uh yeah there you go clark uh who has made it through two jones fractures surgeries and so you uh, know he's ready to play yeah he's there there can only ever be two so there can only, you know can't be more than two bad. so once you hit that yeah. two quota you're ready to yeah. go it's science. Um, so yeah, I mean the the Chiefs made him the I think fourth highest paid receiver in the league. That, that shows they want to use him. He's in he has a number one receiver skill set who specializes in the deep ball. I, I'm having a difficult time coming up with a reason why he won't outscore Tyreek Hill. I feel like this is the kind of gripping analysis you tune in for. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> yeah, I love it. He, I mean, they're lining him up all over the field. He's taken, um, uh, shoot, I think it was like half of his his snaps, almost half his snaps from the last preseason game came from the slot. Like he's, they're using him everywhere, and the target distribution didn't quite fall his way. But I, I think he's a better route runner than Tyreek. Uh, Tyreek Hill doesn't get red zone usage. Usage Watkins does. The guy had eight touchdowns, and he didn't have time to learn the offense last year. I just. I think you gotta go get him. Plus, he's probably even a hard time not getting too excited about Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs because of the preseason. Like, mm. I told myself I wasn't gonna do it. It's the preseason. Really, a first-year quarterback. Calm down. And yet, here we are. Oh, he, he looks like he throws a good deep ball. Plus, you know, Sammy Watkins is gonna be even faster this year when he doesn't, since he doesn't have whatever three to four pounds of dreads on his head. So, okay, building on that hilarious joke, Pete. Um, yeah, uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, he measures uh, in-game speed. And Watkins was tops in the league uh, between like 10 and 25 or so yards and then 35 yards plus. He was as good as it gets with the dreads. With the dreads. <laughs> I want to throw in there that um, Albert Wilson was – the Chiefs' second-best wide receiver last year. And there is a pretty good correlation between when the Chiefs started to stall offensively and when Albert Wilson got injured. So I think with having a, a good number-two option in Sammy Watkins, that could really start to open up the Chiefs' offense. Even if it is Pat Mahomes, if you're worried about him starting for the first time, uh, Andy Reid does a really good job of putting his quarterbacks in a good position to succeed. So. This is after listening to Clark for the last 300 years, and then now just you, Nick, right now. I I also find myself having a difficult time being like Sammy Watkins is not going to light this league on fire because he very well might. Awesome. Um, all right. So my sleeper value pick, I literally added the value at the end of sleeper slash value in order so that I could do this pick because he's not technically a sleeper. But good Lord, do I love his value. Marvin Jones is going in the back end of the fifth round. Wide receiver 24. I'm sorry, people. Did we all just like spontaneously forget about what he did last year? It's not like the Lions have added anyone new. It's like the Lions still have Matt Stafford, still going to be a pass-happy team. They're still going to do it, throw the ball deep. Marvin Jones has only gotten better since he's joined the Lions and has entrenched himself as clearly the go-to guy for Matt Stafford, uh, particularly down the field and in the red zone. For all those people who are assuring me that Kenny Galladay is going to cut into Marvin Jones's workload, hey, Kenny Galladay could suddenly become a viable member of that offense. But you know what? They got rid of Eric Ebron, which freed up 86 targets to get passed along this offense. So Marvin Jones can still get plenty of targets, and Kenny Galladay can pick up, eat into those 86 that are completely um, available for the for the picking. I just, it's preposterous to me that the number five wide receiver this year, even if you plan in some regression, right? He's, if he falls into the top 10 or even into the top 12 at receiver, you're picking him at 24th wide receiver. You're picking him in the back end of the fifth round. I am 100% aboard the Marvin Jones train this year. Yeah. And he's your wide receiver three. He's your wide receiver two if you get aggressive on tight end. He's your wide receiver two if you get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah, you could yeah. you could go you could go running back, running back, quarterback if you want to get a good one, wide receiver, and Marvin Jones is your second wide receiver. You could go running back, Gronk, uh, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. He could even be your wide receiver one, and I wouldn't be against it because it means you're going to have two top end running backs. You're probably going to have Gronk, and you're going to have probably one of the better quarterbacks. I'll roll with that team any day. Yeah, I have my first uh, home league draft this weekend, uh, so everybody that's listening, Gronk is not good. Don't try. <laughs> Don't take. He's Gronk. not good. Despite what you've heard from Clark earlier on this podcast, that's not the point. That's not. That's not it. So okay. Cool. So when I was breaking down the Lions uh, a couple weeks ago, another Hermsmeyer stat thing uh, to throw out there. He uh, he he tracked uh, each route that each receiver ran and basically uh, found that the, the curl route is the most targeted route in the NFL. Uh, Marvin Jones runs ran last year three times the amount of curl routes that that Kenny Galladay did so it's I don't see how it's close yeah uh, Jones is gonna eat he's gonna eat. yes give me all of the stats Nick that proved my point (laughs) yeah I I already talked on this pod that I like Marvin Jones I had him last year and it was super great seeing him on Sundays 
Uh, if I didn't wasn't watching the Lions game already, looking at the ticker and seeing him get another 20-plus yard catch because it happened quite a bit. All the time. All the time. Uh, don't be stupid, people. He's going in the back end. He's going in the ninth pick of the fifth round. Come on. What is wrong with everyone? All right, Clark, give us your sleeper slash value this year. So my sleeper slash value, I think, is a sleeper slash value because he's been hyped so many times before. It's Marcus Mariota, who's going off the board as QB 17. Mm. He had an intentionally archaic offense for the past two years. Then he was too young before that. This is a quarterback coming into his prime that can run. He's accurate. They actually have a real professional young offensive coordinator now surrounded by talent. Whether you like Derrick Henry, whether you like Deion Lewis, you know, they've got uh, Corey Davis, Tywan Taylor, Richard Matthews, uh, Delaney Walker, John. Tywan Smith. Taylor was a, was a sneaky deep pick that I was going to make. Yeah. He's also been balling out. The beneficiary there is the rushing quarterback that everyone has been burned by. And now they're the 17th quarterback off the board. Like you said, Clark, he is someone who everyone has had some sort of like interaction with him already because he's been in the in the league a couple of years. I have had interactions with him. I know Heath was super high on him last year and, and Mariota didn't necessarily pan out. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people drafting in your leagues. And this is to the uh, giant listener crowd that we have all tens of you. There's someone in your league who has had an interaction with Mariota that's left a sour taste in their mouth. And now you get to benefit from that. You get to take Mariota a round or two later than he should be going because, you know, Joe in your league was like, oh, I had Mariota last year and I didn't like him. Well, screw you, Joe. Mariota is going to kill this year because, like you said, he's got talent around him. He has an offense that's actually going to, like, cater to him. Uh, Matt LaFleur has had success in uh, L.A. last year, in Washington. No, Atlanta. Wait, what was he? Washington before him? Atlanta before him? I know it was Shanahan and then the Rams. That's all I need to so say. So then it would be, yeah. Who knows? Time to double down on Mariota. Yeah, there. This whole uh, Titans offense needs to be invested in. Um, Lafleur loves RPO. That's obviously Mariota's bread and butter. And uh, I, I love the Taewon Taylor mentioned that guy. He, oh my gosh, this is He's his year. Killing man. it. Yes, he has. This is his year. I'm it's so excited. I was really hoping Corey Davis would have been killing it, but <laughs> not, not, not as much. Not, not as much, which is hard. Even though the Titans just handed out a, a contract extension to Rashad Matthews. So also something to keep note, though. Tyler Taylor's kind of ball. Rashad Matthews has this mystery injury, though, that they won't identify. He's just been sitting on the injury report for a couple of weeks now, but won't say what it is. Titans being sneaky. It's Mike Vrabel taking some Bill Belichick moves. Yeah. Got to be sneaky with that injury report. Uh, Clark, let's start with you because you always have such good insight as to how to make a draft day successful and some draft day strategies. Share us uh, with us either a draft day strategy that, you, that you're going for this year or, or just kind of uh, some general advice when it comes to drafting your, your perfect fantasy team. I'm going to sneak in two really quickly. Uh, one is don't be a slave to ADP. If you like someone, go and pick them. Uh, if you don't believe me, look at your draft board from last year. Everybody made horrible picks the entire time. Uh, Alvin Kamara wasn't drafted. Michael Thomas went in like the ninth or tenth round. Who had who on the pod had Todd Gurley as the number one player in fantasy last year before the draft? No, no one. He was going in the third. Yeah. So if you like a guy, don't be afraid to be early. Suffer the stupid insults of your league mates because you reached on a guy like. Go, go pick players that you like. And then for after the draft fantasy, uh, don't let fantasy football ruin real football. I see this at the bar all the time. People are out there with their friends watching the games. They have their heads down and they're watching their phone because they want to watch their scores update. Like, don't forget to enjoy the games, guys. Sound advice. Don't forget to actually realize that this is entertainment and you should be entertained by it. And looking at numbers on your screen either go up or down doesn't seem like as much entertainment as watching uh 300 pound men hurl themselves at each other yeah see yeah see we have priorities here jordan what kind of fantasy advice do you have for people who might be drafting in the upcoming weeks um my fantasy advice and this is something that i like to live by is to not ignore the less sexy positions um 
So you can take this advice into the season as well. Um, Tight end defenses, kickers. If those are the types of leagues that you're playing in, um, make sure you're maximizing those positions as much as possible. Um, I know kickers aren't very fun to pay attention to. And generally when you're playing with people in a league, it's, kind of rare unless their kicker gets injured that a person um, picks up a new kicker from the one they actually drafted. um, And they just have that kicker kind of be filling in that spot, except for maybe a bye week But if somebody's sitting on the waiver wire during week eight, and he's averaging more points than your kicker, that I think it's time to sever ties. Uh, Same thing with the defenses as well. Um, Everybody just grabs the, the top defenses as much as possible, but top defenses change year in and year out. So maximize um, the the lower positions, I guess you could say, on the totem pole because if you have tiebreakers later in your league, um, those that have to do with points, uh, you'll be really grateful that you paid attention to the small stuff and maximized your week-to-week output. The two things I'll say on that is, one, I wrote an article last year about Greg Zerline who – basically was averaging as many points per game as like your top 10 wide receiver. Um, So kicker is important for all those people out there who are like, kickers are worthless. They're stupid. Um, uh, They're important if you, if you hit them. Also Jordan, when you started saying, um, and this is something that I live by, I immediately had Michael Scott flashbacks to where he's trying to have that lengthy discussion where he's like, and this is what I live by David Wallace. Um, Never for whatever reason ever should you ever. And then he, then they have to cut to me. He's like, sometimes I start a sentence and I just don't even know where it's going. (laughs) I hope I just find it along the way. (laughs) I just hope I find it along the way. Let's say we get some pasta. Yeah, when you oh my god, yeah, then they get God, such a good episode. Anyways, that's what everybody when you're like, and these are the words I live by. Ah, classic. Why I especially like this idea is week four or five when you're making a big trade with somebody. If it's available, try to get that defense or kicker as like a sweetener, Mm, because saucy. You know those guys are good, and a lot of people think oh, defense and special teams or kickers don't matter, but like y'all said. Those are points, and so you're always looking to maximize the deal. I mean, I mean, if you would have traded for Greg Zerline in Week Six last year, like that's a that's an advantage. And I know, like, I guess the popular thing on Twitter to do this year is to speak derogatorily about how kickers don't matter. Like, no, kickers score points just like everyone else. Kickers are so people too. It matters. Yeah. If we are we are going against the grain here, and the whole world drinks IPAs, we're drinking stouts. And delicious canned hams. <laughs> and delicious canned hams. Uh, Nick, what's your uh, draft advice slash strategy uh, coming into this season? So uh, this year I've been hammering running backs early, and I just I think that's where the value is. Uh, if one of the big three tight ends falls, go get them. And uh, other than that, draft your QBs late. Hell to the yes. Nick and I have a very very similar draft strategy, despite the fact that Clark's giving the finger wag because he wrote a whole article about how zero RB is back, bitches. Well, if you disagree, then I wrote a great article about this is the year to do zero RB, unlike last year when everyone did it, diluting what a good strategy it might be. If you want to do it, this is the year. For me, I am fully on board the draft, my two starting running backs in round one and round two. I can get great wide receiver talent in three and four because that stuff is getting pushed way, way down. Odell Beckham is going in the second round, people. That should never happen. That's preposterous. Um, and so if that's going to, if you're keeping getting wide receivers pushed down, or even you take a top running back and then you get Odell in the second, or you get a top running wide receiver in the second, I think go high on running backs and then please, for the love of God, don't draft a quarterback before round 10. Just, it's not necessary. Don't do it. <laughs> Yes. How long? How long do we have left on this podcast? Because there's several Clark, things we that have I want to talk about. hours. Okay. Tell so me why. If you're if you're picking top four, top five, I agree. Like you, you can't pass on David Johnson. You can't pass on Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, I get it. But when you're picking seven and you're looking at Melvin Gordon or Antonio Brown, what? Well, sure. Melvin I'm Gordon. About Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is a very productive fantasy back. He I don't care. He is I don't care for him. 
So I don't care what the stats say. I don't care that he's the lead back on a very productive but offense. This is also coming from you, Clark, who had Antonio Brown as his fourth best receiver this year. So clearly, <laughs> you're going against your own philosophy here of saying, well, if I'm sitting at six and I got Antonio Brown or Melvin Gordon, I'm going to take Antonio Brown. Come on, Clark. If this is the first time you're noticing my completely contradictory <laughs> fantasy advice, Peter, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, people. <sighs> yeah. So my advice, my advice is, is a, if you're going for draft strategy, main thing is please don't draft a quarterback before round 10 because it's just not necessary. Um, in terms of draft enjoyment, get all of the people in your league, as many of them who live around your area, get them all together in one room. Make it kind of a whole festivity. Make it a whole party. You throw Super Bowl parties. You throw, you know, game parties or whatever. Or make this a party too. Have everyone around. Have there be, you know, plenty of uh, beverages, plenty of food, plenty of enjoyment, and and make it kind of the huge debaucherous extravaganza that any league most likely will eventually devolve into. And so, heckle picks that are made. Heckle people who you know can't get their picks in in time, and so they're you know made to auto pick. All these kinds of things. Like it's a lot of fun to get everyone in the room together and remember that like. As ridiculous as this game is and as stupid and trivial as it is, it's a lot of fun. It brings people together, and it's a lot of uh, a, a grand old time. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Uh, if you're going to have – if you have a draft coming up, uh, schedule for everyone to get together and have it in one central location as opposed to just having, you know, whatever, 10 to 12 people sitting on their phones and all across the country hitting, I picked this guy. Yeah, I agree. It's a great – way for people to just come together and for your friends that you might not live in the same city or same state as anymore. Uh, I don't know. Try not to be that person that's sitting on the outside, just kind of participating because they need an extra body. Actually, you know, get into it, interact with your friends and participate, set your lineups, just act like you're a part of the experience at least because the people continue to invite you over and over again. Cause they want to be a part of your life in some way. So that's my uh, two cents on that. I couldn't agree more. Live drafts are a fantastic reason to get together, have some beers end of August. You can't get together around the super bowl. It's like December. Everybody's doing, you know, family stuff. Thanksgiving gets in the way in the year, normal part of the year, but, August is kind of a dead time. So make the trip and show up. It's fun. And get an Uber home because you should also get lit. Yes. But don't drink uh, three double IPAs before you draft like my wife did. Because then you end up with Blake Bortles as your starting quarterback. I mean, this is the nice thing that I'm going to say about the Jaguars. Oh my god, you're using it already? That wasn't that bad of a move. Oh, this wasn't last year. It was two Oh, okay. Well then, saved it. Saved it. Whew. I was gonna say, man, when Jalen Ramsey gets three pick sixes in the game, you're gonna you're gonna be hard pressed to spend that as a bad thing. So what y'all schedule looking like? I have my first live draft this weekend, and then I'm doing a friend's online draft weekend after next. What do you got coming up? I've got a uh the my big long extended league, the longest one that I've I've been in with all my friends. We're doing that uh this Sunday night. So and coming up quickly. And then, well, are we doing a league? I'm game. I want to do one. It was like herding cats when I tried to do the I know. Clark tried. Year. Clark tried, and it failed miserably. I um, will let people disappoint me once, and then they're dead to me. Hey, tens of uh, our tens of listeners, y'all want to be in a league with us? We could do an RB1 podcast league. That'd be a blast. Sure. Just do that. Yeah. Can, All right. Hey. Can it be a dynasty league? No, Jordan. That's way too much effort. Come on. I would do that. <laughs> Come on. The Packers only <laughs> dead. <laughs> Get your hand out of the sand. Um, hit us up on Twitter at RB1 Podcast if you guys would want to partake in an RB1 uh, Fantasy Football League this year. Maybe we have some sweet uh, rewards or prizes at the end. I can guarantee prizes. I will create a league. I will create a four-person league, just the four of us, just so that I can win and get those prizes. That seems a little not in the spirit of the <laughs> It's exploitative. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. But, you know, I do what I do. I'm doing the uh, uh, the industry league uh, slow draft that Matt Williams invited me to. And then I've got my high school league that we've been going for like 12 years now uh, later this week. I'm acting as a consultant for my girlfriend's draft this weekend. Nice. Yeah. And I got my uh, what college. What does she have? Uh, it's going to be decided an hour beforehand. Ooh. Sounds yeah. old school. 
Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I got a couple more in the following weeks. Cool. I, I have trimmed down to I'm in two leagues. Yeah, last the last Love two it. or three years I've gotten wrapped up in, in one too many leagues for my liking. And so this year I'm definitely trying to cut back. Because otherwise, I, like I can't manage five teams like I, I just want like you know two to three that i can really invest myself in and balance my waiver wire and all that jazz and and take some take some people down i'm doing five leagues this year shouting <laughs> trying but hard for that win only three of them are redraft leagues and that's those are the ones i feel like take the most effort there are two of them that are dynasty leagues so my rosters have been pretty essentially much. decided since after april when that rookie draft happened so it's not as uh, strenuous as it sounds. Last year, I did my first IDP league, which was just a hot mess. Oh, I tried real hard last year in my IDP league to not get last because you can't quit if you get last. Of course. <laughs> Came home number 11, baby, and I'm out. And you're like, and I'm done. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, the greatest fantasy show preview that you could possibly wish for Um Hopefully that is all the information that you now need to go win your fantasy draft and win your fantasy league. But for real, peeps, we want to interact with you and we want to engage with you. So if you are down to do a fantasy draft, uh, a fantasy football league this year with us, uh, the RB1 Podcast crew, hit us up on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. We would love to do that. Uh, make sure to subscribe and uh, hit us up on iTunes. Leave a five-star review and some comments. Maybe that's how we'll determine draft order for this uh, fantasy football league. First comments get first pick. Mm, who says no to that? Trying to, you know, sell our ratings. Uh, follow me at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Follow Ginger Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. And I see um, all on the Twitter sphere. We will be back at you guys next week. Until then, peace.